Greetings, dear, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Working Experience, a very warm, open-arm audio embrace and a squeeze. This episode is brought to you by my company, One Circle Media. One Circle Media is a hybrid digital agency and media content creator. We create and design apps, websites, videos, social media content, and physical products. We are artists, directors, designers, producers, coders, editors, thinkers, makers, and creators who embrace story and creativity from design, web and app development, animation, docs, features, TV shows, digital and social media content, to physical products. For our clients, we create content that builds networks and audiences across multiple platforms. Check out our work at OneCircleDigital.com and OneCircleBrand.com. If you work for a network, studio, brand, startup, or corporation, and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain, reach out to me at John at OneCircleMedia.com. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks, everyone, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Working Experience. The Working Experience. Route 93 North is almost at a standstill. It's a rough one out there this morning. Snow and sleet. There is no service on the... Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Uh, Yeah, folks, we're going to be a few minutes. We have train traffic ahead of us. We should be moving shortly. Y'all need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? And HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. To stay late, Bob. Teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> They're moving in a different direction. And after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Who ate my Where are my hot pockets? This microwave is disgusting. Oh, God, what's that? He was no. living his toenails at his desk. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. Hey everybody, welcome to this edition of the Working Experience Podcast. It is my pleasure to welcome Mr. Chris Hull, who is going to tell us about his company, Otis, and uh, about how it helps educators, how it helps students, and uh, just thoughts on education in general, technology and education, and uh, welcome, Chris. Really excited to be here, Matt. Oh, thanks for having, thanks for uh, being here. Uh, just full disclosure, I am also an educator, so uh, I teach high school English. Um, so I've been on quite a few Zoom and all. So technology really roared in. I am not Mister Technology, but it really roared in this year. So and, it, and it's been a, a pretty positive experience, I'd have to say. English is uh, an amazing subject to teach. I always tell people that social studies might not even be a subject without English. So it's important to be able to read, write, and think critically independently. Yes, I find them both to be very uh, compatible with each other. Although I will say English is probably not, doesn't lend itself as well as other subjects to technology, but uh, I've been making making a go of it. So uh um, so can you tell us about yourself, about your background, a little bit about your education? Yeah, I was um, a seventh and eighth grade social studies teacher for 11 years, um, really was involved in the classroom wanting to help students. Um, before that, if we go back in time, pre-COVID, pre-all this, uh, I went to school in the Chicagoland area, um, went to college to play basketball, was really excited about the opportunity to play uh, quickly, I realized actually in high school, 
that I wasn't as good as I thought, but I still enjoyed the game. And I was able to get into teaching because I loved coaching and I was loving the ability to impact uh, young lives in terms of helping them find themselves, grow to love learning. And that really led me to get into the classroom. I was like, this is really worthwhile to be able to unlock the potential to facilitate learning and see that moment when a kid just gets it. It's pretty um, exhilarating. And it was something I really enjoyed doing. Um, and, and that's really why I got into education as a teacher. And I myself also was not the biggest technology guy. I just was looking for any cheat or hack or way to become a little bit more efficient with 150 kids that I was teaching, I just was overwhelmed. And I'm like, how am I gonna get ahead of this? Mm -hmm. And so I really began to look at technology as a way to help me become uh, more productive. And through that, I realized that there was actually something missing. Uh, there was a missing piece to me in education. And I was fortunate enough um, through a series of events and circumstances of just how small world can be and how one lucky event can lead to another to help co-found Otis with uh, two other uh, great partners in this, in this adventure. You know, I will have to say, um, just uh, going off of what you just said, how overwhelming it can be, technology has made resources, things like that. I mean, it, it's amazing. I started teaching in 1998 and I mean, oh my goodness, just like being able to go on Google and look up lesson plan for Lord of the Flies is amazing. Absolutely amazing. So it really unlocks and kind of levels the playing field. When I when I first started teaching, I um, replaced a legend in my district. Her name was uh, Cheryl Levy. And she actually has um, curriculum that she helped do with the state of Illinois. And I was trying to fill her shoes. And it was looking at some of the work she was doing. And she had all these books and all these resources. She had cabinets full. And I was trying to find it. And what I was like, oh, yeah, I can Google it. Oh, I can like create a menu of options and it really allows you to collaborate remotely which we all have to do now um, yeah. but it also really does unlock the ability to share um, ideas right lord of the flies i wouldn't know where to start but you can get a good idea if you just google it absolutely absolutely um and, and i was gonna say too it's funny like i know so many teachers who also coach and like there, there's a nice overlap there you know they wrestling or basketball or whatever it is so you can definitely see why the coaching led you into the classroom that's a lot of you know obviously the same skills you know so yeah I think it's really important when you're when you're a coach you're trying to unlock each player and you want to get to know them and I think the same is true when you teach and again you're a teacher being able to unlock each kid getting to know them Again, I think that's one of the biggest challenges facing education with this whole Zoom experience or Microsoft Teams or you name it. It's really hard to get that small one-on-one -on -one conversation to unlock it, to be yeah. able to understand what's happening. And, you know, yeah. it's definitely an interesting situation we're in now. So um, can you describe the process? You, you kind of start off by saying you had a fortuitous meeting and all of that. Can you describe how you develop? Well, first... It's sort of a two-part question, how you developed Otis, and then what need, you, you mentioned a missing piece. So what it sounds like there was a gap there you were trying to fill. Yeah, so when I started teaching, uh, one of the projects I overtook was a project called Project Citizen. It was an amazing project. It involved students identifying a local problem, 
they would define the problem. So they'd be able to write an introductory uh, paper around what the problem was. They would brainstorm solutions and evaluate those for the feasibility of each. What would the required funding be? How easy or difficult would it be to implement? And what would the ability of the solution be to solve the problem? And then they would present these solutions to a panel. And it was a pretty intimidating experience for me because the panel included um, the mayor of our town, the superintendent, the principal. When I was thinking of this, when I heard of the, the opportunity, I'm like, this could be the day I'm fired, having 150 <laughs> seventh graders on yeah. stage in front of these people. Um, but it became an amazing opportunity. But the limiting factor for me was it was all done on poster boards. And I just remember that nine weeks of this project was amazing opportunity in civics and research and writing and thinking. And then we had to put it all onto a poster board and it became just an awful, so-and-so can't do this, or I can't cut straight, or who's gonna glue? And it was really, how can we do this? And so I looked at technology to help solve that. And I was able to uh, use the laptops our school had for some periodic use our second year. And instead of creating poster boards, we created websites. And this was really an amazing opportunity. My seventh graders in 2009 were creating full out websites with videos and multimedia, really being able to implement stuff that they were just passionate about. And I began working with our sixth grade social studies teacher. His name was Pete Helfers. He's one of the co-founders of Otis as well. And we were really trying to understand how could we go one-to-one -one before this even became a thing. And one device to every kid, we really thought would unlock a lot. And we started to pursue this idea and we ended up getting a grant for iPads. And we got a grant for iPads. It was originally gonna be first like, gen um, it was originally be MacBooks with the bright colors in the back that were like nine years old. They were going to be thrown out. We were going to repurpose them. And instead, we got one-to-one -one iPads for the social studies department as an experiment, as a proof of concept. And really, I thought this was going to be magical. I thought this was going to solve all my issues. I thought that this alone was going to improve student learning. And then I really realized that giving each kid an iPad exposed the inefficiencies and the data problems that existed in education. You all of a sudden had to have professional development. Kids be, could become easily distracted. And all of a sudden, instead of having kids work isolated to a notebook, it was all online. And so we all of a sudden, during this rollout, Pete and I realized like, whoa, there is no platform to help you teach grade and analyze all this information and then plan what to do next. Everything had to be done ad hoc. I'm jumping from Google Docs here to possibly some website there or the reading in another place or some website around you know, the Revolutionary War. Um, it was just kind of crazy. And what kind of further made this even a larger problem was we had something called a problem solving meeting. And in these problem solving meetings, which were called PSTs, we would try to help certain students who had become, you know, come up as like, oh, this student is facing an obstacle, or we are struggling to have this kid focus, or this kid's grades are struggling. And we were in this problem solving meeting, and each teacher, there was about nine of us, had a different program open. One person had a behavior program open, the other one had their grade book open. Some people were telling anecdotes from what they noticed in their classroom. And it was really inefficient and ineffective. We were spending 30 minutes gathering information, synthesizing information, and five to 10 minutes actually problem solving. 
And while Pete and I were doing this one-to-one -one initiative, again, you can probably tell I'm a history teacher here, just going off on this whole tangent, <laughs> but we were all of a sudden in this initiative, we realized there wasn't a single platform to allow us to teach grade, analyze all that information. Again, if you're teaching the facilitation of activities, of videos, of um, literature, but also the grading, the measurement of learning. There wasn't a place where you're doing all that, kind of like a Fitbit can capture all of that without you noticing. So we built the tools to capture all of that. So teachers are just doing their thing. They're just teaching and kids are learning and they're grading in our system, but we're capturing that information, allowing for the analysis to happen collaboratively. And then the the real piece that unlocks it is we try to uh, complete the infinity loop, that cycle of planning what to do next. So you can go from teaching, hey, try this activity, read this article, watch this video, do a group pair share where you're working with another student. Okay, now as a teacher, I might be observing behaviors or measuring learning. I'm gonna capture that all in notice from behaviors to the classroom assessments to those national assessments. And now if all of a sudden I have a student who we need to problem solve for, I have one system where everybody in that room isn't looking at nine different applications, they're looking at a single place. You can really get to the, the problem solving piece. And that's really what we're, we're aiming to do and achieving with Otis. So it, it sounds like you needed to take a bunch of parts of the same student and put them all into one place so you can get the, the whole view. Yeah, we like to call that the comprehensive profile. You know, it's always, it's always scary. I have four kids, very young. Uh, at one point there were four under four, which is kind of crazy to think back to, but yeah. I wouldn't want somebody summarizing my, my kids in a single number or a single sentence. There's all different parts. You know, if you ask the art teacher, they might have a different view than the PE teacher. You want to be able to tell the full story. Um, and with that full story, we think we can really unlock the potential of each kid, help maximize learning for all, and begin to find what are the best practices for um, each situation that arises. So who do you find are your clients mainly? Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. We have 160 districts across the United States, and we really like to look at Otis as not an initiative, but as a tool to help you achieve an initiative. So the, our clients um, really can fall into several buckets, but one of the big ones right now is standards-based grading. Um, so standards-based grading, looking at a certain skill and measuring the ability for a student to do that, which is like a job application or a job resume. You don't ever get to go to a job and say, hey, I got an A plus at my last gig. You're really talking about I'm proficient or I'm able to do this skill or that skill. We find that that's a really good use case for Otis because you're capturing something that isn't as traditional as, oh, I got a 50 out of 60 on my latest quiz. We do that, we, we can handle that. But when you get into the, the details around a standard and progression over time, that's really where you need technology to help you. And we really do well with that type of district. We also do well with districts who are trying to be very data informed. So districts who are trying to create that comprehensive profile. And we've really seen that grow across the country, um, K-12 K districts. Are there certain types of schools that are more open to 
like a, a new way of looking at students and other schools that are a little more like, yeah, we're going to stick with the way we've been doing stuff. I think there's always the case. I think there are some who are like, hey, I'm going to do it my way and it's been going great. So I'm going to continue. Others are trying to always um, adapt and iterate. I've seen with COVID though, we've really seen education turned on its head. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately for everybody at home, from parents to families, to teachers, to administrators, everyone is kind of impacted by this. I think everyone's coming to a, a reality that we have to rethink how education is going to work. We need to be able to transition, again, remote, but also to hybrid. We might need occasionally for a kid might be gone for a week or two. So how can we handle that? So I think there's been, with the, the unfortunate circumstances around COVID, I think there's been kind of an unlocking of the potential for all districts to view this way because it became a necessity. One of the key drivers before this was one device for every kid. And I think this is another area you can see that COVID kind of unlocked. It became a reality for this to really work. We can't assume every family has a device that can be used. Unfortunately, we have you know structural inequality and inequity in, in our country that we're definitely need to work to address. And one of those is to provide access. If you can access the information, that's at least one step closer to being able to engage and, and learn the information, which which are definitely important. Um, following steps in the, in the process. Have you found, like, have you gone into areas, more rural areas where they really are, I mean, I've heard these anecdotally, they're very challenged having broadband, having internet access. So yet now, you know, I always like to use data. Uh, we, we have a couple smaller rural districts of, you know, a few hundred kids. Um, but yeah, there is a technology requirement to have internet. And um, we don't require like the fastest internet speeds out there, you know, Netflix or streaming services require more than Otis. But yeah, a reliable internet connection is gonna be important. But again, that gets back to the, the, the last comment I was trying to articulate, which is it's important that we really address the accessibility of getting to this information, getting to these tools, because it can provide um, inequity for, for all. It could be in a rural area. Um, it also, there are areas, you know, in urban situations where not every family has um, access to the internet. And as a country and as an educational system, I think we really need to ensure we're providing internet access because even as you said, like you're trying to get that less, lesson plan for Lord of the Flies, like having Google at your aid is just a huge help. And I think for yeah. students, if you're really trying to research, if you're really trying to learn, it's really powerful to be able to consult those resources as well. Have you found that the, you know, the past year with COVID and all that, has that led to an increase of schools? Because I, I found this in Massachusetts where it was like they would talk about one-to-one, -one, but now they had to do it. I mean, there wasn't any choice. So it, it was almost like, a, like, you know, things that were in theory before are now like, no, 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 we got to do this. Yeah, I think it was a, a huge push. I think that it became a reality. I know in, in the district my kids go to, um, they were fortunate enough to kind of repurpose school devices for the kids that needed it. But the logistics became hard. Like, how are you going to get the, the paper packets to each kid during COVID? How are you going to ensure that the kids have the necessary materials? That becomes really hard. 
when you can facilitate that learning, those learning resources remotely through a learning management system, which Otis has the technology and the tools for, it becomes a little bit easier to get onto the same page. And I, I agree with you completely. I think that the situation of COVID forced the realization that every kid with a device is a good thing. Now, I hope that when we move forward, every kid isn't only on a device. Mm. Um, I, I think there's a huge power. Um, I'm on the Goodreads is a great website. I, I'm on the Goodreads challenge of how many books I can read in a year. I think it's really important that we allow for an opportunity for kids to read and be away from the device, but I still think they need it because it's not something they should use every minute of the day, but I think having that opportunity or that option really allows us to ensure we're providing the best educational opportunity for every kid we can. Well, I think there are certain, I mean, I have my preferences, but I, I can't put those on a 16 year old because the reality of the situation is just what it, I mean, you know, when they go out into the workforce and all that, they need to be technology literate, obviously. Um, so where, so for the teachers, the administrators and so forth, it provides a good uh, holistic or I, I forget the phrase you used, comprehensive. Uh, a comprehensive student profile. Yeah, comprehensive all the information student. you need for a kid in one place. Now, have you found that students and parents, like if you look at it from their lens, what do they think about what they see with that? Yeah, so this is a this is like a, a rabbit hole for sure, but I think it's a great uh, discussion point. So what we want to do is for the teacher and student experience, we want to be an efficiency and productivity tool, right? That's where the teaching and learning really happens. As you know yourself, you're a high school teacher, you're really digging into text or um, discussions with your kids. But one of the things that's pretty amazing for people who are outside of education is to really try to look at the parallel to the workforce. So. As a teacher, you might have, you know, 25, 35 kids in a classroom. Okay, we can kind of picture that we all were in school. But again, if you look at a, an administrator, an administrator can have 100 to 200 to 300 direct reports, teachers reporting to them. And that's just kind of mind boggling for any other profession. So as I got into Otis, it was amazing to learn that like developers, there's usually one engineering manager to a dozen or two dozen developers, and then you kind of scale up. And the ability for an administrator to gain insight into the classroom is really hard. And so what Otis attempts to do for the administrators is to provide transparency into what is happening. By giving this analytics and this data, by collecting all of it, the hope is that an administrator can better understand what's happening in their district, no matter where they are. And the same is true for, for families. Um, families are often left to, again, I have a, a first grade daughter and uh, my son's in pre-K pre -K four. My, I have twins who are not in school yet. But if I were to ask my son or daughter, how'd your day at school go? They'll tell me, fine, it was good. <laughs> great. And if I were, yeah, it's like, great, that's great. What'd you learn? Stuff. Stuff. These are amazing yeah. descriptive words. Yeah. And if I were to even go higher, right? If I were to ask your high school students, it's like, what did you learn? It's like, I don't want to talk about it. It's no. like, it's so hard to gain that insight. And so I really think one of the key things that Otis helps is getting everybody onto the same page with the information that's involved. So by 
collecting information from teachers and students seamlessly and then allowing it to be transparent for families and administrators. We're giving kind of common footing to have conversations. It has been a little bit of a surprise that sometimes I thought everybody's like, hey, let's just make everything transparent. And then it's kind of like, again, this is a bad analogy, but Zoom has made classrooms very transparent because all of a sudden your kid is in a classroom and you're hearing the teacher teach everything. So it's like, that might be a little too much transparency, but there is this idea of how do we get people onto the same page? And with the same information, the hope is that it can happen, but there is a learning curve. It's been with some of our districts, there's a question of like, oh, can we have time to analyze the information before sending it out? Because, you know, our first iteration, our first way of doing Otis was everything was just immediately transparent. And we've had to learn that, oh, okay, we do need to provide some time or options for, hey, we need to uh, explain this information or explain what's happening here. And one of the key pieces for Otis is, I'm a former educator. Um, we have over, uh, a th- over a third of our company are former educators. And we know that education is a very unique field. It takes a unique mindset, a unique skill set. And we really want to make sure we're listening and learning from what's required because it's forever changing. I, I left the classroom in 2018. I was actually, so Otis was founded in 2013. I was using Otis all the way until 2018. So I was experiencing it myself. But even two years out of the classroom, I can't even imagine what it is to teach. Like I, I can kind of, because I'm in Zoom calls all day, but I don't have that real life experience of, How do I talk to Jose about his favorite sport? Or how do I talk about what happened on a TV show to get to know and connect to a kid? How do I have those moments? Like, I don't know. I I think that's really a mystery that I think is kind of facing of how do you connect to the kids to make them want to be engaged in the learning? Yeah, that's definitely a challenge. I mean, it's a challenge anyway, and it's certainly a challenge when you're sitting there like this <laughs> trying to, and they don't have their camera on and, <laughs> and all that. Uh, so do you, are, are you guys, or do you envision uh, that you're able to like track a student from like fifth grade to seventh grade to 10th grade? So you can provide that kind of long continuum of data. Yes. Yeah, so one of the, the great benefits of Otis is that for a district, right, because the, the student data belongs to the district. It doesn't it doesn't belong to us. So if you're in a district, if you're in a, you know, a unit district, a K-12 district, yeah, your, your information, your profile is just built over time. And it's built over time in such a way that you can see your historical growth. You can see your progress. And again, as an administrator, you can look at the aggregate and you can kind of see trends. Hey, is this curriculum we adopted? Is it working? Are are we seeing the results we want? And because we are able to um, be very flexible, we have a lot of really cool analytical tools where you can group kids based upon attributes or based upon curriculum or programs. And you can see their growth over time. Because of that, we really think that administrators are, be, are, are better able to make informed decisions so that they're not just iterating on anecdotal information or on information that might be gathered in a statewide or national test once or twice a year. They're being able to see these trends with um, multifaceted, multi, um, with 
multifaceted data with many different inputs. So, hey, how's the behavior going? Or how is their reading skills on a classroom assessment? You know, you know, if, if you're the teacher, how would do those skills translate to the state assessment or the ACT or SAT? Being able to have those correlations or where we can see, oh, this curriculum is working really well, or this program, or maybe this certain type of class. Maybe there's a class where we have a English and social studies combined in kind of like a, a cohort class. Are those being effective? And being able to look at data to kind of gain insight, I think is always helpful. I think it would be helpful too with, um, even among teachers, like there's not like, I don't really know the other teachers my kids have. So it would like, if a child is struggling in my class, like, is it my class? Like, or is this, or is like maybe across the board, they're just not very engaged. That, that would be valuable for a, as an educator. Yeah, and so that's in that student profile for you. If you if you if you were using it, it was one, it would be one of the things you'd be able to see, right? And it's one of the things we kind of modeled or looked at the idea of like a CRM in the business world, where if one salesperson enters information about a client or one account manager enters information about a client, you would also want to be able to see that information. It's kind of interesting. Education's kind of been in this mindset of like my classroom, my silo. And we're trying to break that down because you'll have, again, when I talked about the problem solving meetings, I might say, oh, in my class, this student's doing great. Oh, and in the, in the gym class, he's really struggling. But in the music class, he's excelling. Well, is there a common theme? Is there a certain reason? Maybe there's a certain student who's with them. Maybe there's a teaching style. Being able to know that this is not just my issue, but it's something like, oh, what can we get to here? I think is really valuable. And providing that insight for everybody involved. So as a teacher, I can see that student's performance for the past and the present. And then the administrators can see the same thing, but the families can see the same thing. So that if all of a sudden there were a parent phone call, you have the information, your colleagues have the information, and you're able to, instead of saying, oh, let me find out, it's kind of like, oh, I have that here. And it, it's something that I think in some industries and business, we've seen really good job where it's like you create this uh, account profile and your salesperson adds to it, then your account, mer uh, account manager would add to it, the onboarding person might add to it. You're able to kind of capture this. And I think the same mindset should be done for kids. And the idea is like, if we can create a comprehensive profile with multiple points of view contributing to it, we're gonna get better insight because if his eighth grade English teacher found something that unlocked a kid and they just were able to really excel, you would love that information. Unfortunately, sometimes as a teacher, you don't find that information out until March. And then it's like, oh, I wish I would have known that two months ago. Yeah, and that's the whole point of all this, right, is to help the child improve. Yep. Yeah. Which... And it's one of the things I would tell my students is uh, to learn is an action that requires effort. And even if everything else was perfect, even if they're excited to be in school, they've been fed, they have all their other needs meet, met, it's still hard to learn. Learning's hard no matter what. And so eliminating all that other obstacles so that we can focus on what matters is really kind of one of the goals. It's like, okay, let's clear away everything else, level the playing field, so to speak, and give access, access to everyone. Yeah, I do hear sometimes like, oh, well, she's never done well and so-and-so. And I think like, well, why don't we try to change that and not just keep on with the foregone conclusion but I mean, I have to admit, it's it's easier 
you know, especially when you have a hundred kids, like, oh, he's that way, blah, you know. Well, it's also hard because you don't know what's been tried in the past, right? So it's right. like, okay, you might have three go-to strategies. And it's like, well, what if those are the three go-to strategies of the teacher from last year? Well, now we're just trying the same three strategies over and over again. But the idea is we can instead now say, oh, the previous teacher used these three strategies. I'm going to do three new ones. And now you might find that one that works. And it's been kind of collaborative and it's, Again, it would be like going to a different doctor every time and having to re-explain your situation brand new. And it's like, that's not always as helpful. It's like, you're, you don't want to start completely fresh every time. Right, right. So where do you see, I mean, in terms of Otis or, or just in a broad view, where do you see education, technology and all that in five years, 10 years Yeah, so I think that education is going to really need to focus on helping the user or the end user, which hopefully is the student in this situation, achieve their goals. And I think one of the things that can happen at the onset is you just pick a tool that's going to help you now, and you don't always know what's going to be valuable, you know, dividends later. And I think one of the things that's going to happen with education is we're going to see the need for a single platform, which I I personally hope is Otis, Mm. because I think it's doing a little bit here and a little bit there and a little bit somewhere else, it leaves you very disconnected and you're not able to synthesize that information. With the devices becoming more readily available, one-to-one, one device to every kid becoming a reality, I think we're going to see the need for the system only grow. And I think one of the things that also is going to happen, and this is, again, maybe a little controversial, I think that teachers are going to become even more important. I don't think there's going to be a way to have AI-driven teaching. When I always think back to my favorite teachers or the teachers who impacted me most, it's the ones who got me, who could connect with me, who could unlock something that I didn't realize was there. And I really think that is more possible when teachers aren't having to do 75 administrative tasks and all these other things, and they can focus on the teaching and the learning. And I think with devices and with a single platform, we're gonna get closer and closer to that reality to where you're gonna know about a kid. Oh, I have Susan in my class. This is how she did last year. It's not something that you have to track down. It's gonna be easily available to you so that you can really engage with ensuring Susan's able to read, write, and think critically and independently. So I think right now we kind of have a proliferation of all these tools. I think there's going to be a consolidation, and I think the consolidation is going to really be driven by the outcomes we want, which is around maximizing learning for each kid. Okay, and just uh, finally, what do you enjoy most about what you do? When I was a teacher, I enjoyed most working with the kids. Right now, as a, I'm the chief product officer, what I enjoy most is getting to problem solve with the amazing colleagues I have. The, the, team I, the team that is at Otis is absolutely incredible. And we're faced with situations I never would have expected of how do you transition from hybrid to in-person back to remote? Like you're, you're, we're presented with things I never expected. And that problem solving process, the ability to connect and collaborate while still focused on helping kids is what really uh, makes me excited every day to, to be a part of this. Um, because even though I'm no longer in the classroom, I still hope um, I'm helping provide value to help students learn across the country. Okay, and just one more final question. What one piece of advice, if you can narrow it down, would you have for 
an aspiring teacher coming out of their master's program, they're going in the classroom, what would you tell them? Take a deep breath <laughs> and understand it's not gonna be perfect. I think one of the biggest pieces of advice for that to me was strive to do your best. And this, uh, my dad used to say to this to me every morning, I'm gonna mess it up. And my sister, if she listens to the podcast is gonna make fun of me, but he used to say, Every morning, it was rise and shine, it's morning time, another opportunity for excellence, another chance to excel, and only you can make it the very best first day of the rest of your life. And as a teacher, I think those words are just really, really important because it's a challenging profession, but if you take a deep breath and you just make each day the best you can and you really focus on helping the kids, I, I think it's gonna be very worthwhile and, and a great profession. All right. Well, thank you very much. That was really informative and, uh, and a lot of inspiration there. Thanks a lot for taking the time. Appreciate, jo appreciate joining here today. And thanks for everybody for listening. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode of the working experience. We'd like to thank our sponsors, one circle media and the still believe app, the only app that delivers video proof of the tooth fairy and Santa by simply taking a picture. Download the app at stillbelieve.co today and amaze your kids. And if you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain your audience, reach out to me at john at onecirclemedia.com. I would love to hear from you. And that's it. The end. The sweet end. Until our next audio encounter.